0: Encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and seasons brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness brothers, and for helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing.
1: I asked Doug to read our scripture today for a very specific reason. In some of our discussions, Doug and I have talked about end times things. And, and I know that Doug and I do not agree on some of the uh, aspects of the end times. That, that's okay. Um, Doug and I don't agree on all of that. We're both in favor of it. We're both absolutely in favor of Jesus coming back. But there are specifics and there are matters of timing and matters of interpretation where we see different things. That's okay because what we agree on is Jesus, right, Doug? We agree on Jesus. And Jesus is central to both of our lives. And as long as we keep Him there, we can disagree about the other stuff and we can still be brothers in Christ. Paul wrote this passage because of a misunderstanding in the Thessalonian church. Now you remember, I've mentioned this many times. I'll continue to remind you. Paul was only with them for a short time. Just a few weeks. And it, it had been just a few months since he visited When he writes this letter, during that time that he was with them, those few short weeks, he taught them that Jesus was the Christ. He taught them that Jesus was the Messiah waited for, uh, that the Jewish people were waiting for. Uh, He showed them the love of Jesus, and Paul taught them that Jesus was coming back for them, possibly soon. And when he came back, he would take all of his people to be with him. That is not just good news, that's great news, right? Right? Right. But the problem was, in the intervening months since Paul's visit, some of the people in the Thessalonian church had passed away. Some of them had died. Now, if Aunt Maud had been a, a faithful member of the church, and if she died before Jesus returned, what was going to happen to her? And this misunderstanding developed within the Thessalonian church that if Aunt Maud died before Jesus returned, then Aunt Maud was just gone. That she was not going to be resurrected. If she missed out on the return of Jesus, then she also missed out on her resurrection. They believed that those who died before Jesus returned were lost. And as a result, they lost hope for them. So what does Paul say here? Two times in this passage. Paul says, encourage one another. He says it there in the end of chapter 4, verse 18. He says, encourage one another with these words. Chapter 5, verse 11, again, he says, encourage one another as you are already doing so. Do you see that? He says, encourage one another. He doesn't say, argue with one another. He doesn't say, divide the church based on your interpretations of the events that I'm telling you about. He doesn't say, decide who you can and can't have fellowship with based on how they view these events. He doesn't say, I'm right, you're wrong. He says these words are to encourage. And the reason they are to encourage is because it's a horrible thing to lose hope. The Thessalonians had their hope set on one thing. And when that one thing didn't happen, when it hadn't happened Yet their hope was crushed. That's still true today. Maybe it's maybe it's true for you. People put their hopes in wrong things, and, and when people put their hopes in the wrong thing, that hope is lost. Broken hearts, broken dreams, disease, and pain, these things steal our hope. Paul writes this because there is real hope, and since there is real hope, we can offer people real encouragement. And so this passage is all about real hope. Where do you put your hope? It's real easy for us to say, my hope is in the Lord. I put my trust in the Lord. But I would say, really? Are you absolutely sure that your hope is in the Lord? One thing that I do every now and then that I find very telling, and I notice myself doing this, complete this sentence. You don't have to do it out loud. Complete this sentence in your heart, in your mind. Everything will be fine as long as I have blank. Now what what went there? Well, maybe as long as I have the Lord went there. But maybe something else went there. Everything will be fine as long as I have my health as long as I have my savings, as long as I have my home, as long as I have my job, as long as I have my retirement, as long as I have someone else, this other person in my life, everything will be fine as long as I have that. Now, I want you to hear me. Some of those things, some of those things are very good. Some of those things are very necessary, but none of those things can be your hope. If it can be taken away from you, if you have to protect it, that means that it is a false hope. When we put our hope in anything other than God, you know what that's called? That's, that's called idolatry. When we put our hope in anything other than Jesus, that is called idolatry. And it will disappoint you. And you will grieve when your false hope dies. Real hope doesn't do that. The Thessalonians had put their hope in the imminent return of Jesus and when that didn't happen and when people died they lost hope and so Paul addresses that in verse 13 he says we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that was the term they used for those who had died those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope I want you to notice he doesn't say that you may not grieve grieving is natural Of course we grieve. We grieve when we say goodbye to someone. We grieve when we feel that loss. Something we have to realize for ourselves and for other people is grief is real and it's okay to grieve. It's okay to give people time to grieve. Don't deny that for yourself. Don't deny that for anyone else. But I've done funerals. I've done funerals where there was no faith. I've done funerals where there was no hope, where there was no understanding of God's presence or God's grace. And those are truly awful. Those are horrible things to go through. And I've seen the hopelessness in a situation like that where there was no grace, no faith, just the end and emptiness. That feels awful. That kind of grief feels like defeat because that's what it is. So rather than feel defeated, Paul paints a picture for them of victory. I want to look again at verses 15-17. through Paul paints this picture of what victory is like. He says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, With the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. When we read that passage, we get excited. And some people read that passage and they get excited, and they get excited about a word that's not actually in that passage. Uh, they get excited about a particular word that's not actually in that passage. You know what the word is? They get excited about the word rapture because they see that in in that passage. Now, when Jesus gave this word, Paul says that we receive this from a word from the Lord. When Jesus gave this word, when Paul wrote it, he wrote it so that we would get excited about a word that is in the text. He wrote it so that we would get excited about a word. It's a Greek word. I'm going to teach you just a little bit of Greek. It's the word parousia. We translate it as coming. The coming of the Lord. It was a word that they used when the king came to visit the city. That was a big deal. If the king came to visit your city, that was a very big deal. If the king came to visit, he was going to make everything right. If he was visiting your town, you could be sure that your roads were going to get fixed. Um, If the king was visiting your town you were going to get a new building. You might get a new library, you might get a new coliseum, you might get a a new capitol building, but you would get some kind of new building because the king would come and, and he would make everything right. You also knew if the king was coming to visit your city, you were going to get a holiday. You're going to get a day off. And it was a great thing to know that the king was going to come. And so word would spread, the king is coming. And And everybody would start to get ready. They would put a watchman up on the wall. They would put a watchman up there to watch for any sign of the king's return. And and he would stand there and keep guard. And he would watch for banners, the banners of the king to to start approaching. He would look for them out on the horizon. He would watch for horses. He would listen for hoofbeats. Any sign that the king was coming, he would watch for it. And as soon as he saw those signs, as soon as he saw those banners flying, as soon as he saw... The, the horse is coming. He would put a trumpet to his mouth. He would sound the trumpet, And you hear the trumpet go off. You know that the king is coming. What are you going to do? Are you just going to stand there and wait for the king? It, maybe you've you got some flowers. You know, You're just going to stand there and wait for the king to show up. No, no, you didn't just stand there. Everybody would get excited and they would rush out of the city to welcome the king to their home. They would get caught up in the excitement. That's where we get the word rapture right there. They would get caught up in the excitement and they would rush out to see the king, to welcome the king, and then to escort him back into their city. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. That's important. Because what we see here is that real hope motivates us between the announcement the king is coming and his arrival what do you think they did between the announcement that the king was coming and his actual arrival what did they do well they got ready uh, they, they started cleaning everything they'd get out and they'd, they would sweep the streets uh, they would dust off all the all the buildings they would clean everything up they would get everything ready they would clean their houses they would polish the silver because when the king comes we want him to see our very best and so That's the encouragement here. He says Jesus is coming back and we are not in darkness. We are not in darkness. We are not unaware of that. So what do we do with that hope of His return? We let it motivate us. He says in verses... Let's move on over to chapter 5, verses 4-8. through He says, "...but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day." We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I want you to let verse 5 sink in for a minute. Verse 5, he says, you are all children of the light. You are all children of the day. Did you notice the word all there? Did you notice it said all? Do you know what the word all means? All means all. There you go, see? There, you know. All means all. All of you. You are all children of the light. You are all children of the day. You notice it's not just those of you who feel like children of the light. Those of you who understand that you are children of the day. It's not just those who feel like it. It's not just the brave ones. It's not just the ones with the right understanding. All means all. Including those who had lost hope because they had loved ones who had passed away. They were still children of the light. Children of the day. So what is the proper response? to being children of the light. He says in verse 6, be sober and be awake. Now let's admit it, I lost about half of you on that one. Right? That whole be sober part. The other half of you were asleep and you missed that. Maybe more than half of you, judging by the response here. I don't know. Be sober and be awake. Be sober. It means to be Alert, be aware, keep watch. What are we watching for? We're watching for Parousia. We're watching for the coming of the king. This is not a time to panic. This is not a time to fear. We know that he's coming, so pay attention. Get ready. And and here Paul gives us kind of a precursor to what he's going to later write in Ephesians chapter 6. We love the letter to the Ephesians, and in Ephesians chapter 6, we have the armor of the faith. The armor of the Christian. Here we have kind of a precursor to that. He says, Put on the breastplate of faith and love. There's a lot of people around us with wounded hearts. There's a lot of people around us who have been wounded deeply and they are carrying those hurt. What's going to protect them? He says, Put on the breastplate of faith and love. Do you remember just last couple weeks ago when we looked at chapter 4, verse 10? Chapter 4, verse 10. In verse 9, Paul says, now I have no need to write to you about brotherly love because the Lord Himself showed you how to love. But now in verse 10, he says, I want you to love one another to keep doing so more and more. And here he turns around and says, put on the breastplate of faith and love. And then he goes on and he says, put on the helmet as a helmet. Put on the hope of your salvation. Hope as a helmet to protect your head. Protect your head with hope. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but did you see what showed up in that passage? There between the, the helmet and the breastplate, we have faith, love, and hope. You remember them? Faith, love, and hope. We saw them also way back in chapter one. In chapter one, verse three, Paul says, remembering before, we remember before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. All three of them. Faith, love, and hope. All three of them are active. All three of them do something. They make a difference in your life. They make a difference in your walk with Christ. They make a difference in how you stand fast in your faith. And he goes on and says in verses 9-10, and For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live for Him. There's a connection here. You are all children of light. Remember that part? You are all children of the day. And then in verse 9, He says, you are not destined for wrath. Let me tell you, some of you need to hear that. Some of you desperately need to hear that. You are not destined for wrath. God's not looking for some excuse to wipe you out. God is not waiting for you to screw up so that He can lay the whip on you so that He can say, that's it. I've forgiven as much as I'm going to forgive. I'm done. You are not destined for wrath. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. you do you understand that? God's not mad at you. He is crazy about you. He loves you. You are not destined for wrath. Stop living in fear that you might screw up and and lose your chance with Him. He loves you. Stop living in fear. Live in the light and stand fast. And Paul says twice here, real hope brings encouragement. He says it in verse 12. 18 of chapter 4. And then he says it again in verse 11 of chapter 5. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. He does not say, don't let anyone get their hopes up (laughs) because this might not work out. Okay, Uh, Don't let anyone get too excited about it because it it may not work. No, he says, encourage one another. Encourage one another. This can't miss. This will not let you down. Now, does that mean that you're going to understand everything completely and perfectly? No. I don't think so. Does it mean you're never going to have to adjust your thinking and think, well, maybe I'm looking at this a little bit wrong? No. But he doesn't say put on understanding as a helmet. You notice he doesn't say put on your correct interpretation of the end times as a helmet? No. What does he say to put on as a helmet? Put on hope as a helmet. Your hope might look different than mine. I think Paul's hope looked very different than ours. I've mentioned many times this was Paul's first letter, possibly his first letter, written very, very early in his ministry. Every chapter in 1 Thessalonians, five chapters long, every chapter he mentions the return of Christ and he presents it as the imminent return of Christ. Jesus can come back at any minute. And he says it like he says here in verse 17, we who are still alive, the Apostle Paul said, we who are still alive, he expected himself to be alive when Christ returned. He believed that he would live to see it. This was his first letter. His last letter that we have is Second Timothy. Second Timothy was written about 25 years after First Thessalonians, about 25 years. quarter of a century has gone by. What's Paul done in that quarter of a century? Well, he's been beaten. <laughs> repeatedly. Um, He's been shipwrecked. He's been imprisoned. Uh, He's been rejected by his people. He he was stoned to death at one point, apparently almost to death, if not to death. He's been through a lot. This man has seen a a lot of struggles in those 25 years. So so when we get to 2 Timothy, what does Paul's hope look like in 2 Timothy? In chapter 4, Verse 6, this is what Paul says. The same man who said, we who are still alive, who are left until His coming. In chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 6, Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And there is now Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved, all who have longed for His coming. All who have longed for His parousia. What happened? Did Paul lose hope? Does that sound like he lost hope in those 25 years? No. Paul couldn't lose hope just as you can't lose this hope. But, Paul's hope transformed so that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, Paul is able to say, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So be aware... Your hope today may not look like the hope that you have tomorrow. That doesn't mean that you've lost hope. It means that you grew and you transformed and your hope has transformed with you. One of my favorite little scriptures <clears throat> in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and I love the way it's translated in the New American Standard translation. Romans 5, 5 in the New American Standard simply says, hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. How many things in your life disappoint you? How many things in our world disappoint you? Um, has your savings ever disappointed you? Have you ever taken a look at just how much interest you didn't make last year and you were disappointed? You ever had one of those moments that your health, has your health ever disappointed you? Has other people ever disappointed you? Does medicine ever disappoint us? Chemotherapy ever disappoint anyone? Radiation treatments ever disappoint anyone? Can I ask, has politics ever disappointed anyone? Oh, you wake up for that one, don't you? Yeah, we, we've, we're all disappointed. I think that's the one thing we can all say. We're, it doesn't matter who you are. We're all disappointed. None of those things are worthy of your hope. Real hope doesn't die. It only transforms. And as long as you remember that, you will stand fast. As long as you know, death is not the end, we are not in darkness, and Jesus gets the last word on your life and on your hope. Real hope doesn't die. It only transforms. Therefore, Let it transform you. Be ready. Be sober. Pay attention. Because your King is coming and this is not a time to be afraid. This is not a time to be worried about, well, am I going to make it? Be ready. You are children of light. Be motivated. Motivated to serve, to live, and to let your hope move you to do something greater than you've ever done before. Some of you, some of you have settled for safe. You know? Some of you have settled for safe. Safe little lives where we, you know, don't make too many waves, don't do too much, just just keep everything nice and safe and everything's on an even keel. Safe safe living, safe giving. Don't want to give too much. Don't want to want to spend too much. Don't want to give too much. Just going to just give safe a little amount, you know? Uh, safe serving. I don't want to get all that involved and wrapped up. I don't want to get too crazy with it, but I'll serve, I'll do this, I'll do that. But that's it. I'm... I'm just going to play it safe. You don't need a breastplate and a helmet if you're going to do something safe. Do you? He gave you a breastplate and a helmet. You don't need a breastplate and a helmet to do something safe. You need a breastplate and a helmet to do something dangerous. To do something big. To do something bigger than yourself. Be protected. Wear your faith and love to protect your heart. Wear your hope to protect your head. And be together. Because at the heart of all of this is that call, two times here, to encourage one another. Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another As you are already doing, encourage one another so that no one, so that no one loses.